We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Be sure to thank your father for us, because Lord knows he didn't have to let you sell that car. Well, uh, he doesn't know I sold the car. Um, <clears throat> he doesn't know I'm on the team. <laughs> He thinks I'm off to Miami, and I loan the car to a friend to work for Webster, Webster, and Cohen, some place like that. <laughs> <laughs> some people say, you know, them can't believe. Jamaica, we have a bobsled team. We have yes. this one there is. I know one junior. You, Sanka. The fastest of the fastest of Jamaican sprinters. Go to Olympics, fight for Jamaica. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the podcast breaking down the sports action of your favorite sports movies. I'm your host, Kyle Banduho. Today we're talking the bobsledding classic, Cool Runnings. Now, even if it wasn't a good movie, it'd still be a classic because it's the only bobsledding movie. But uh, I, I'm a big Cool Runnings fan. It's a really great movie. I was happy to cover it. However, I don't know shit about bobsledding. So for expertise, I turn to Ken Childs. He's the owner of SlidingOnIce.com, a website dedicated to bobsled, skeleton, and luge. And he was awesome to have on and gave me a you know a real crash course on bobsledding in general and how Disney did in getting the bobsled action down in this movie. Uh, Ken clearly has a passion for the sport, and that comes through in this podcast. It was an awesome interview. If this is your first episode of Big Screen Sports, please remember to subscribe to get episodes when they drop every Thursday and check out past episodes. If you're in a Disney Winter Olympics mood after this episode, go check out the one on Miracle we did a month back uh, with Will DeFreeze and Dave Ruff from Circling Back Podcast. It was a uh, it was one of my favorites. Next week, we've got the 80s classic Teen Wolf and Necessary Roughness the week after that. So some good stuff en route, some, uh, some 80s and 90s movies. Had a review request to let you guys know, you know where to stream this movies if possible. Honestly, I'm mostly just running these on Amazon and Vudu when I need to do a rewatch, but I will note that the entire Rocky series, as well as Major League, is on Amazon Prime Video right now, so definitely take advantage of that. Uh, if, you know, if you're looking to, uh, to blow off an entire weekend, just, just inhale the Rocky movies. As for reviews, please keep them coming. I love getting feedback. I love hearing what you guys think of the podcast and what movies you want covered, uh, so you know, please keep leaving those on Apple Podcasts. And lastly, if you're enjoying the podcast, please recommend it to a friend who loves talking sports movies just as much as you do. 
If you tweet about the podcast and share it with a friend, I'll definitely retweet from at big underscore screen sport on Twitter. Or if you want to share it on Instagram, you know, I'll post it on the story at big screen sports pod. You can follow both those social media accounts for upcoming episode info and uh, just some, you know, general sports movie content. Sometimes we get debates going about our favorite movies on there. So definitely check that out. But with that, it's time to get to Ken Childs from slidingonice.com and cool runnings. All right. I'm really excited to have this guest. He's perfect for this movie. He's the owner of slidingonice.com, Ken Childs. Ken, how are you doing? Doing all right. Good to be here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Um, cool Runnings is, is a movie that there's not a lot of experts around. Obviously, Bobsled isn't <laughs> you know in, in the main, uh, it's not in the big four of American sports. Uh, real quick before be. we get into the movie. Uh, yeah, well, tell me, uh, tell me a little bit about your background, what you do at Sliding on Ice, and why you're the perfect guest for this movie. Well, so I've had slidingonice.com since about 2011 or so, um, and basically I write about bobsled, skeleton, and luge um, from World Cup and World Championships in the Olympics all the way down to like North American Cup, which is like the bottom rung of international sliding competitions. Um, I try to keep track of all the races, you know, who's doing what, what national teams are doing well, which ones aren't, things like that. Um, I have full race reports of every single race throughout the whole season um, from the international schedule. Um, keeps me pretty busy, uh, but it's a lot of fun and something I do far more, much like the athletes. I do it a lot more f- for the love of the sport than I do for the money, um, but it, it's definitely something I absolutely love. Yeah, you would have, uh, I, I only recently came across your stuff. You would have been a huge asset uh, during the Winter Olympics. I, I was there actually, so it was, it was great. Yeah, I'd imagine that's kind of like your Super Bowl. I would just, I would guess. Effectively, yes. Um, if the Super Bowl is on every four years, now there is World Championships, which is which is really like they're effectively three out of the four years. That is the the Olympics for these people. Um, you know, is if you do well in the World Championships, that's where you get your sponsorship from. That's where you get all of your things from. You know, for the coming season, and then. If you're doing well in world championships, people just assume you're going to probably do pretty okay at the Olympics, and it really bolsters your chances of making an Olympic team. Before we get going, uh, where can the people follow you besides slidingonice.com? Um, I'm all over social media at the Ken Childs. Um, somebody took Ken Childs once upon a time, so I went with, with the Ken Childs, which I kind of like, because you know everyone else is just a Ken Childs. I, I got the, which is nice. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one to get. But uh, and you're a great guest to get because today, obviously, we're doing Cool Runnings. Cool Runnings is a 1993 sports comedy film based on the true story of the 1988 Jamaica national bobsled team. You zigging? You zagging? Oh, <laughs> Always remember, your bones will not break in a bobsled. <laughs> no, no, they shatter. So. Who wants in? We're looking for a sponsor for the first Jamaican bobsled team. <laughs> Their dream was to compete in the Olympics. <laughs> but they chose a sport <laughs> they knew nothing about. When track star athlete Darice Bannock misses out on making it to the Olympics in the 100-meter dash, he recruits three companions and forming the first Jamaican bobsled team. Ken, 
1988 Winter Olympics produced two movies. Do you know the other movie that the 1988 Winter Olympics produced? Oh, that's the, uh, the Eddie the Eagle movie. Eddie the Eagle, that's right. Yeah, I forget the name uh, of the movie, it, but that's the, yeah. Yeah, Eddie the Eagle. So this movie was obviously made by Disney, uh, pretty Disney-fied, but they had a, uh, the original cast they envisioned I think is really interesting. So the actual cast is Leon, Doug E. Doug, Rawl D. Lewis, and Malik Yoba. Uh, I probably butchered a couple of those names. They originally envisioned Denzel Washington, Eddie Murphy, Wesley Snipes, and Marlon Wayans. Huh. Yeah, that... Which is high hopes. And honestly, not as good of a crew as they got. I'd be willing to say that, and we'll talk more about this later, I would be willing to say the four guys they got is much closer to what you would actually have looking like for a bobsled team than Wesley Snipes and those guys, because a couple of those dudes, pretty big. You know, so yeah, pretty yeah, pretty jack dudes. But like with with just the actor pedigree, that's like thinking you're gonna get like Zion, Kyrie, and KD, and you end up with Julius Randle and a bunch of tenth men. Yeah, yeah, that's it's rough. But at the same time, I think it made for a better movie. Yeah, I I, I really, I mean, obviously this movie's really good. Uh, I just want to say, like, I enjoy this movie. Yes, it's very Disney fied. Uh, Disney kind of. It, it does a certain number on the sports films it does. Sometimes it really, you know, cheeses them up, and sometimes it really leaves them alone. Like, I think Miracle, it really leaves alone, and you almost can't tell that's a Disney movie. But for you, uh, is this a Hall of Fame, an all-star, a starter, or a benchwarmer sports film? Man, it's hard. Um, the bobsled community does not necessarily have a whole lot of movies to pick from can't be too picky and choosy here so as far as that goes it's probably hall of fame because it's the one everybody knows you know it if we're talking hall of fame and not hall of stats it's a it's hall of fame because everybody knows it everybody loves it it's a great movie as far as the actual you know relating to what it is as a bobsled movie eh, you know you're looking more Give it a good starter, maybe an all-star. Okay, yeah, the movie got a 77 in Rotten Tomatoes, so it's very, it's kind of like well thought of. Like, everyone enjoys cool runnings. Um, I'm, you know, I do a sports movie podcast, but I'm pretty unfamiliar with the bobsled movie community. <laughs> Are there any other bobsled movies besides cool runnings? This is obviously no. the first one. No, 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 this, this is it. Um, so, again, you, you can't be too choosy when you've got exactly one movie. You know, that, that's mm-hmm. the one, you know. It's not baseball, it's not football, it's not one of those. Um, so you, you got what you got, and it's a good movie. Uh, as far as, you know, the, and, you know, we'll talk about this, parts of it are a little out there. Other parts are actually a lot closer than people might think. So it, it's it got both sides of it, but again, it's very Disney-fied, and, you know, that, that kind of takes away from the quote-unquote realism of it. But it's still, it's a good movie. On a scale of 1 to 10, what would you put the bobsled action in the movie? As someone who watches a ton of, of bobsledding. Okay, so the action itself, like the, we get what, about three and a half, four minutes of actual bobsleds on the track, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, in of the that, actual Olympics, yeah. Yeah, of that, everything but the bobsled crashing at the end, actually both bobsled crashes, the crashing where they stop dead in the middle of, um, in the middle of a curve, that, that obviously won't happen, there's things like gravity. Um, and the, the sled coming apart at the end. Also, I've, I try to do out the math. I've watched six, 7,000 runs over the course of the last decade. 
I have not once ever seen a sled come apart that hadn't already been crashed on the previous run or something like that. Um, aside from those two things, um, nowadays they don't rock the sled back and forth when they start. Back in the late 80s, that's exactly what they did. Um, you know, the, the on-track action and the, the push starts and all that are actually nail on the head. Um, the, the training montages, actually, aside from John Candy lifting up Senka and stuff like that, um, you know, where, where it shows them pushing, you know, they don't have ice, they don't have any of that, nail on the head. You know, most bobsledders are training right now, and they don't have ice. You, you sprint training, weight training, all that, you don't get on ice until October. Um, so again, th- there are parts of it that are really nail on the head, um, as far as the actual action stuff of it. it. It's kind of the other stuff where you start kind of drifting away. Yeah, and we'll get into that. Uh, but yeah, that it, that's really interesting. It seems like then they, they actually put some work into to feeling realistic. Before we get into the movie, are there any other like Winter Olympic stories, bobsled stories that you think would make great sports movies? Like this is obviously a unique story. It's Jamaica's a warm weather Caribbean nation. You know, them putting a bobsled team in is pretty incredible. Are there any other good stories that you think would um would make a difference? Man, you know, there's a bunch out there that I could think of. Uh, a couple off the top of my head. Uh the Pyeongchang Olympics, the guy that won the gold medal in luge in men's luge, David Glacier was literally the last loser into the Olympics. Um, he was the last, of all the people that qualified, he was literally the last person to qualify in luge for the Olympics. Came out to Pyeongchang and won the gold medal. Um, you know, it's he a heck of a story. underdog story. Yeah, complete underdog. He had never medaled. And all of a sudden he wins the gold medal. And then, you know, right on the back of that, Chris Mazder, I love Mazder. He had a rough, rough couple seasons there turns around, wins a silver medal in that same Olympics. You know, just really, really cool stories there. Um, and bobsledding, really, like, the, just the history of bobsledding is fascinating because, it, again, it's, you know, you go sledding and somebody decides to build a track, whatever, but there used to be three-man bobsled. There used to be five-man bobsled. They used to, instead of sitting in the sled, they used to kind of lay on top of each other. Um, there's all sorts of craziness that goes into that. And, you know, John Morgan, who's in the movie, um, is an actual bobsled announcer. And he talks all the time about how back in the day, your whole goal was just to get to the bottom and then find out what your time was. You you weren't worried about what is my time. You were worried about making it down with your head still on. And so there's all sorts of stories like that from back in the day. Um, and the same with skeleton, uh, skeleton is a completely underappreciated sport that, you know, competes in, on the same tour as a bobsled. And, you know, when it came back to the Olympics in 2002, you had, you know, uh, Tristan Gale and Jim Shea both winning the the gold medal on home ice. And, you know, it hadn't been competed at, until or since uh, St. Moritz, where the sport actually took, you know, started off way back when. Um, so there's a lot of really cool old-timey stories there that I think would make really good movies, but... A lot of those are for people, you'd have to know the sport. Everybody knows the Jamaican bobsled team, and that's kind of how they ended up here. Mm-hmm. And But bobsledding also, it seems to make cool action. Like I think the, the scenes in this movie where you're actually you know, on their runs, they're really oh, intense. Yeah. They're almost kind of similar to racing movies. I think they're really cool. So there, there's appeal there. Yeah, and that's how I got into the sport originally. Um, I'm 40 years old, and so I was 9 years old during the 88 Olympics. And was really, really sick. It was in bed for most of the Olympics. Watched a lot of the Olympics on TV. 
saw bobsledding and I was super into race cars at the time and stuff like that. I'm like, well, man, that's kind of like racing. And that's how I got hooked. And so it'd be on Wide World of Sports. It'd be, you know, on TV, wherever I could find it. And I'd watch it and internet comes along and you can watch it online. And I'm like, man, I'd really like to go to one of these. And before you know it, I realized nobody's writing about the sport on purpose. So I figured I'll give it a shot. And now I'm talking to you. Well, we're almost 30 years since Cool Runnings has come out, so I think we're due for another uh, bobsled movie or at least maybe a skeleton movie or something. So uh, before we, you know, before we break down the movie, I want to get into some IMDb trivia. I've been doing this lately on on episode, just kind of knocking things out because we're going to really talk about what we see on screen as opposed to what actually happened, especially with true stories. And with this movie, you know, one of the main plot devices is that the opposing countries, the opposing teams when they get to the Olympics are really cruel to the Jamaicans. They make fun of them. That's complete Disney because, uh, according to IMDb, contrary to the story in the movie, the Jamaican team was met with open arms by the international bobsledding teams. One of the other teams even went as so far as to lend the Jamaican team a backup sled so they could qualify. That happens in the sport across the board. Um, A couple years back, the, the Americans showed up to a track and their sleds had been stuck in customs. And they lost days of ice time. The Swiss team helped them out, lent them sleds until their stuff showed up. Fast forward a year or two, the Swiss are almost in the exact same situation, and the Americans lend them their sleds and their equipment. Um, you've got uh, you've got guys that have, uh, you know, just the community as a whole wants everyone else to be a part of it. Um, so unless unless there are people there, there's occasionally a team or two that's there mostly because, hey, we want to be on TV. We would like to get to the Olympics just because we want to be, you know, whatever. People that are there for the sport and that want to be there to compete and want to be a part of this, the the sliding community will welcome them with open arms 100% of the time. So, yeah, that, that's probably, honestly, probably the least realistic part of the whole movie is just... Everyone just hating on the Jamaicans. People love the Jamaicans. It's kind of a bummer. You'd like to see a version of the movie where it's just they get that support. I mean, I get that they had to to put some adversity in it, but I feel like there might have already been enough adver- adversity considering they were a bobsled team from Jamaica. Exactly, with with no backing, and that that's the, where you get a lot of adversity for a lot of these sliders is trying to get backing, especially when you're the Jamaican bobsled team. You got to try to find money, and that there is usually the hardest part. But as far as the sliding community being involved, if a new nation comes out, people will help. The Americans always uh, usually take a, a, a team or two kind of under their wings a little bit. Um, the Germans always have – you see that in bobsled. You see it in skeleton. You really see it in luge, uh, the German luge program, which is just the top-notch luge program in the world, uh, takes the Swiss and the Polish under their wings and coaches them. Um, so it's definitely a thing where the – the nations are always trying to help. The bigger nations are always trying to help the smaller nations, and that was the case in Calgary in '88 as well. Um, you know, it, it's it's a shame that that's kind of the lost. The, yeah, in, yeah, in lost in the Disney, whole thing. Disneyfication of the movie. Exactly. Um, this is uh, John Candy's final starring film to re- be released before he died, which is a bummer because yeah. John Candy was awesome. Um, the Jamaican bobsledder characters in the movie were all fictional characterizations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so was John Candy's coach. The team was actually Devin Harris, Dudley Stokes, Michael White, Freddie Powell, and last-minute replacement Chris Stokes. The team was coached by Howard Siller. Siler. Siler. Uh, you, you, Siler? Okay. 
Um, team was coached by by Howard Seiler, an Olympic bobsledder for the United States in 1972 and 1980, uh, and they they became very popular largely because of their underdog status. Yeah, other than that, um, not not a whole lot as much as uh, as IMDb trivia goes, except for the movie is known as Cold Buttocks in Norway, which is fun. Really? Yes, huh. Cold Buttocks. And that is per so I have I kind of have a, uh, a a theory that IMDb can be like Wikipedia where anyone can add anything because every now and then there's something just kind of strange I think in yeah, a league but, of their own or, go ahead yeah I, I know there's a Ford versus Ferrari movie coming out that in England has a different title than Ford versus Ferrari for some reason so I know that's a thing but man cold buttocks I have no idea where you would get that. Yeah, me either. Me either. I'm also hoping that Ford versus Ferrari movie ends up being considered a sports movie because it, Christian Bale, Matt Damon, it looks great. But yeah. uh, let's uh, let's get into the categories. Best scene or kind of favorite scene. This doesn't have to be super authentic. It's just what was the most fun. I have a couple nominees. You let me know if you have anything else. Uh, the first track meet where the guys get all tripped up and it kind of starts the plot of the movie. Uh, the bobsled run, the the first one where they get the right time that Irv was looking for, they reckon to the cops, but he's just pumped because they, they finally got the time they were looking for. What have you done to the police unit? I should arrest you. Who owns this thing? We do, sir. And who are you? The Jamaican bobsled team, sir. <laughs> Don't give me that business. I wasn't born yesterday. Five now! the run in the olympics where they they it vaults them into contention that the really fast run which was also uh fictionalized and then the the final run the final scene where they they wreck but then walk their cart through I personally enjoy the one where, where they're practicing with the cart with the wheels and they hit the cop car. In part, that's – okay, so you're training when you're in the summertime um, up in Lake Placid at the Olympic Training Center. They have a, what they call a push track, and basically it's miniature train tracks, and you have a sled on wheels, and you push it down the track, and that's how you practice pushing your sled. So it's really – it's that scene with the sled with the wheels, no one's driving a sled on wheels – anywhere um but as far as pushing in warm weather and pushing a sled that's not really a sled that's a lot closer than you'd expect um but i do enjoy that part just watching guys try to tear it down on that little rickety cart that i enjoy the heck out of that yeah my, i think it's my favorite scene too i really i really enjoy that scene uh going into most authentic and least authentic parts i think you already touched on this really but was the most authentic part the actual race action you know the filming the broadcast shots were which were actually from the olympics um was that you know was was that the most authentic for you yeah i, I would say that's by far the most authentic obviously in part they used race shots but just generally watching guys jumping in the sleds and all that that's all if you go to a training it so you World Cup in Lake Placid this year is the second weekend in uh, December. Um, they'll race on either Friday or Saturday or Saturday and Sunday. If you go a day or two before, there's training runs, and you can watch them, and it looks just like that. Um, it's, that's as authentic as you can get um, as far as the training runs and all that go. 
Um, so I, I would definitely say the, the on-track action is by far the most authentic part of it. Um, also, though, get really the whole theory of getting sprinters and getting them to race bobsleds. Some of your best bobsled pushers are decathletes, sprinters, people like that. Um, as far as your push athletes to push the sled, and then you kind of get you, you get someone that's strong enough to push the sled, um, and then drive you know hop in and drive it. But you get a lot of athletes who were push athletes that move up into the front seat. Justin Olson um, for the U.S. team, he's a guy that was a brakeman um, for years and got into the front seat and went to the Olympics in 2018. Um, so just the general idea of, hey, we're going to get sprinters and throw them in a sled, that wasn't even that novel of an idea in, in the late 80s. Um, you can find somebody big and fast to push a sled. It doesn't matter where you come from. We're getting you on that sled. You know, 10, 15 years before that, eh, you know, you, you came from a bobsled background and you got into that. But by the late 80s, it's, you know, the, the tide had turned, and now you just you want athletes. It doesn't matter where they came from. So related to that, the question a question I had for you, uh, Irv goes on winning the bobsled race is all about the push start. Is it actually all about the push start? Did the movie get that right? Uh, yes and no. Uh, depends on the track. Um, so the World Cup for bobsled is in eight different tracks a year. Um, there are some tracks. Uh, Eagles in Austria is one. It's a 1,200-meter track, and it's relatively flat for a bobsled track. Um, if you're fast at the top... You've got a tremendous advantage at the bottom. Uh, San Moritz in Switzerland is the only track that's still carved out of the snow. Um, they basically they carve the track every year down the mountain. Um, it's the same general track, but they don't have track records because it, the course is a little bit different every time. The curves are a little bit different. Um, that track is forever long. And because of that, if you're not that good at the start, you can still make up time by just having a nice, clean, good run. Um, so it depends on some tracks. Yes, at Calgary, Calgary is a push track. You, you got to be good at the top. So I would say that is pretty accurate. That's good. That's good to know that they uh, that they put in some effort to 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 make the sport correct. I always appreciate yeah. that in sports movies. But with this one, I was kind of flying blind, just with you know with little technical you know, watching bobsled. I watch bobsled every four years, which is why I didn't pick anything for least authentic. I didn't want to make an assumption. What did you have as the least authentic? All right, so there's there's three big ones. Um, The first one, uh, so with the coaches disqualified in the, what, 72 Olympics or whatever for for having weight in his sled. Everybody has weight in their sled. Uh, your sled has to weigh a certain amount. And so with your, with the athletes and by itself, so you've got to have weight in the sled. Sleds are basically, it's like race cars. There's a certain weight that comes with having the sled. But then if the sled doesn't weigh as much, you can put, you know, weights in the sled to get it to the, as close to that maximum weight as possible. Um, further, if the sled did weigh too much, they would have picked it up on the first run because they weigh the sled after every run. So you wouldn't have your gold medal taken away from you for having weighted down your sled. They would have picked it up the first time you got on the scale. Um, and it wouldn't be like a huge international incident. Dudes are too heavy all the time. Okay, not all the time, all the time, but at least a few times a year in a World Cup event, someone's too heavy, let alone at your lower levels and things like that. So there's that. Um, the, uh, the sled coming apart at the, on that third run in the Olympics, the sleds are looked over so fine-tooth comb before every run. Um, 
when you go to the park for May before the run, the sleds are flipped over on the back and the athletes are polishing the runners like you see in the movie. Um, but you wouldn't generally have a bolt just let go like that, even on a rental sled. Um, that I don't know that I've ever seen that happen again unless a, a sled had crashed in a previous run. Occasionally you see a push bar go or something like that. Other brakes don't work or something like that. But as far as a runner popping off. They make off, it seem like it's an old shitty radio flyer sled. I have seen I have seen some old jalopy sleds out there. And I'll tell you that even those, you flip them over, you make sure you make sure all the important parts work before you take that thing down. Because you're going 80 miles an hour in a very heavy sled. Um, you're making sure that thing's in one piece. And then I hate to say it, the, the part where they carry the sled across the finish line. There is no way you're carrying a sled like that on your shoulders. Absolutely no way. Um, The sleds are way too heavy. If you watch after a race, there's usually two people moving the sled. They flip it on the side. They got little handles, and you are are heaving it. There's no way you're just tossing a sled up on your shoulder and then handing it off to somebody after that. No way. I mean, that whole ending just screams Disney. Oh, it's just... We gotta have that that chill-inducing ending. All they had to do is put the sled on the runners and push it up. Like that, and it would have been that would have been realistic. Um, generally speaking, this it wouldn't have been in that that usually the athletes wouldn't push it across the line. Usually, there's uh, track workers that'll help with all that, as you see them go down in the movie. But you're not tossing a sled up on your shoulders and carrying it across the line um, at all. Uh, you're you're sure as heck not passing it off to somebody after that because it's just going to land on someone and someone's getting seriously hurt. But, you know, all they had to do is just flip it on the runners, push it across. But the visual is not as good. And, again, this is a Disney movie, so this is what we're doing. Yeah, well, let's let's throw that down the way a little bit because I, I have some more questions about the last scene. All right. But what else worked for you? What was realistic? Or what did you just enjoy seeing on screen, too? Like, um, it might not have been the most completely realistic. What would you like to see? Well, I, man, I mean, I love watching, for me personally, watching people get to go to the Olympics um, I got to go to my first Olympics as a, as a writer this year, or I guess 2018. But um, and being at the opening ceremonies and getting to see people who have their lifelong dreams to go to the Olympics, and getting to watch them walk in the Olympic Stadium, wave their flag, be with their teammates, and all that. Man, man that just it hits me every day. It hits me right now just thinking about it. Um, so you know that that part of the movie that. You know, where it's a really big deal and they're really happy and their friends and family are in Jamaica watching and having a big watch party. All that, it, that that works for me. That, that really hits hits me right in the feels, as the kids say. Um, in the same vein, I thought the crushing blow of missing out on the Olympics when oh, they, yeah. you know, they he fails to, to make the 100 meter. I thought that was a really effect, effective yep. plot device. It wasn't exactly how it went down in real life, but I really enjoyed the plot device because you hear stories – about like how the the tragedy of missing out in the Olympics because like you said these people you know wait their whole lives and then they wait four years to get in, you know there's like the classic story. What was the um, Dan and Dave? Yeah. The, the marketing the Reebok marketing campaign from back in the '90s where one of the guys missed the ended up missing the Olympics. It's just something that you have a bad day and you could miss the Olympics. So I thought that was a really effective plot. Device. Yeah, it, and it it was, and it's honestly it's it's a way that. You have athletes who were trying to go to the Olympics in sprinting and things like that. Some of them end up on these bobsled teams. Um, again, we have a lot of decathletes, especially from Latvia. Latvia is almost entirely former decathletes. Um, but you get a lot of sprinters, decathletes, other you know, athletes who 
they they had a goal to get to the Olympics and something. Nobody, okay, I take that back. A few people in this country start as bobsledders, um, but most athletes on a bobsled team in this country didn't start until after college. Um, Cody Baskew is an exception. He's uh, one of our pilots in the, for the U.S. team U.S. team now, and he, he grew up in a bobsled. Uh, he grew up in Whitehall, New York, and that his whole life has been up in in Mount Van Hovenberg, sliding the sleds. Um, but for the most part, most of your guys went to college. You you, t- you ask somebody, you go around a, um, a bobsled, a group of bobsledders, and ask what their best decath- uh, what their best decathlon score was. They they all know. It, it's one of those deals. Um, so y- you have a lot of people who their goal is to get to the Olympics, and maybe it didn't work out in one thing. But hey, here's this other option. I think like two of the most notable examples are obviously like Lolo Jones and Sam McGuffey. Right, right. Um, who were athletes and something completely different and, and went into bobsled. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, Alana Myers, Alana Myers-Taylor, um, the greatest woman's bobsled pilot this country's ever had, was a softball player. And then they cut softball from the Olympics. And she needed something to do, went to bobsledding, uh, did very well as a push athlete in 2010. And then made the move to the front of the sled and is top five best women's pilots ever. Um, And so she's someone who wanted to go to the Summer Olympics. They canceled her sport. Hey, here's another another way to do this. And here she goes. And she's won medals at the Olympics. She's won all sorts of world championships. She's legitimately one of the athletes that when she shows up for a race, she's – one of your best bets to win. So a question in that vein related to the movie, these guys miss out on the, on the summer Olympics. And at this time, the summer Olympics and the winter Olympics were on the same year. Right. So they're saying they missed out on the 88 summer Olympics and they try to get into the, the summer, the, the winter Olympics. How long does it typically take an athlete who's picking up bobsledding for the first time to really transition into an Olympic caliber bobsled? Well, team? And, and that's where the movie now would make a lot less sense than it did then. Um, they've changed the way you qualify for the Olympics. In part, the IOC says you can only have each. Um, so the IBSF is your bobsledded skeleton federation. They can have X number of athletes for all of their competitions. When skeleton shows up in 2002, that takes away quota spots for bobsledders. So all of a sudden now there's more of a qualification process to get into the Olympics in the first place. Prior to that, you had it was almost a wild west, and that's how Jamaica got there in the first place. Despite them not being failed sprinters that didn't make it to the Olympics or whatever, uh, Dudley and those guys, I think it was seven months from the time they formed the team to the time they were in the Olympics. Um, so it's doable. the The rule now is that you have to be dependent on the quotas and everything. There's a certain you have to be ranked at a certain point. And you have to have competed in a certain number of international races and on a certain number of international tracks. Um, and back then, that wasn't the case. You showed up with a sled. If you were good enough to run on the track, they let you on. Well, that's good. So the, the movie actually got that right. Yeah. Um, what was John Candy's character, Irv, to you, did he... How, how did he come come off? Did he come off like a bobsled guy, like an actual bobsled coach? I love the scene where he's ripping off his accomplishments. I really enjoy that. Oh, but did he, did he feel like a bobsled coach to you? Uh, to me, yeah. I would say, you know, you, you walk around and you have the older bobsled guys that are out there. And they've all put on weight. None of them are they're like, you know, they're fighting weight anymore. Um, 
you know, I would say he comes across pretty close. As close as John Candy's going to come in a Disney movie to pulling off former bobsled that's now a bobsled coach, I'd, I'd say he did pretty well. Okay, that's good to hear because I really I enjoyed John Candy in this movie. I enjoyed John Candy in general. He's one of oh, my yeah. favorites, but uh, in this movie, yeah, especially the scene where he just rips off his accomplishments. They're kind of they're kind of like calling into question if he should be the guy who coaches them, and he just rips off, you know, his um, what he does. I, I really enjoyed that. Another thing that I really like. I don't know if it's realistic. I don't know if the team actually did this. But when they're the solution to to stay loose is the Sanka's little, uh, you know, um, I don't even know what to call it. His words of words of motivation before they push the sled to feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme. I yeah, it, it's neat. It, it then generally there's some kind of team countdown. It depends again on the team and everything. Um, like when you see the Swiss, they've got their way that they do it. Every team's got their own way that they do it. Um, but. Because, especially in four-man bobsled, it, there's such a premium on everybody hitting the sled at the same time and going right at the same time. Um, you know, they, they practice that a lot. When you watch teams warming up beforehand, they're doing sprints just away from the bobsled track, usually depending on the track. Uh, at Lake Placid, it's, a, it's basically the parking lot. Um, you know, some of the newer tracks have, like, little sprint areas for you or whatever. Um, but you'll see all four guys, they'll they'll count down and they'll all go and they'll practice leaving at exactly the same time. Cause if you can hit on that sled just right, it's a lot better than one guy being a little bit off. Um, so they've all got their own way of doing it, which is neat. And, and the movie does portray that really well. It, I, I don't know that anyone's got any cute rhymes like that, but that is something that you could do. We now come to the second chance for the four intrepid men from Jamaica. What do they have to do, John? In reality, Al, I don't think the Jamaicans have any chance of winning a medal. Dear God, just let it be better than yesterday. Ready! Ready! Feel the rhythm! Feel the rhyme! Get on up! It's bobsled time! Cool it's the thing they show them working on the most when they're back in Jamaica, like getting in the sled at the same time. They show them really struggling getting in the sled in general, but I think it's the thing they show them working on the most is all getting in the sled at that at that same perfect time. Well, and that's about as important as you can get. If you So a bobsled track, your first, let's say 50 meters, it, it depends on the track and a, a few other things. Um, there's grooves cut into the track by hand for uh, for the sleds. Um, eventually you run out of groove. The second you run out of that groove, the sled's going to slide left to right if you're not settled in the sled. Um, so it is of the utmost importance, especially in four-man bobsled, to make sure everybody's in and down by the time you hit the end of the, before you hit the end of the, uh, the runner marks. Because um, if you don't, and you have your last guy hopping in, the rear end's going to kick out, and you're just, everything that's not, just like in motorsports or anything else, anything where you're not going in a straight line or you're not going straight downhill in this case, you're scrubbing off speed. Um, so that's really if, – if you don't have everyone getting in right, you're just – you're killing your time immediately. And they're, they're, you can't win a race at the top. You can definitely lose a race at the top. And in the movie, Candy's character absolutely hammers that point home. Yep. Um, which, which I think was cool. Was there anything else for you that jumped out that worked, or you just enjoyed seeing? Um, I mean, I've, you know, it's really just the the on track action. Just seeing people being supportive of a, of a small team. Um, 
when they finally get to that point in the you know the final couple scenes there, um, always just makes me happy to see because that that's really much more realistic of things. You, you know, you have a small nation, you have a, you have an athlete from a small nation doing really really well. You really want to see that. You know, you, you know, I, I'm American. We've been blessed to have one of the greatest ever, Steve Holcomb, to be a pilot here. We've got Alana Myers Taylor. She's one of the greatest ever to what she does. We've had a lot of talent come through here, but man, you get someone from a small nation. The uh, the Romanians have started doing pretty well lately, and it's been decades on decades since they've been relevant. So seeing seeing them being up there in Luge and in bobsled a little bit, it, it's just really cool to see. And so you're happy to see that. Yeah, it's it, this is obviously a feel good movie. It's meant to be a feel good movie, and that's just a natural thing. Because I mean, every year you just watch the Olympics in general. And every year there's someone to root for from an underrepresented country. I think it was a couple years ago is the I, – I can't remember how they classified him, but it was people um, who didn't have a nation, whose nations were either war-torn or weren't represented in the Olympics or something like oh, that. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, it was just for the team for refugees. And it yeah, was the refugee amazing team. amazing to root for. They're going to have another so, one of those in uh, Tokyo, I believe. Yeah, so, yeah, it's just stuff like that. It's just a natural, you know, people identify with that. And so that's what one of the things um, that I think works really well with this movie is just a natural, uh, gives it gives you a natural rooting interest and, and um, makes the film work. Before we get into what didn't work, I've got a question. You mentioned that the, it's unlikely that the, the sled breaking apart would have caused the crash. What are crashes typically like? What usually causes them? And and do bobsledders typically are they able to get up and walk and be fine after the crashes? Because I mean, the the filming of the crash it looked insane. Yeah, and that's that's a typical crash, especially at in Calgary. That's so where they crashed was off the exit of Chrysler, which is a Chrysler is a three hundred sixty degree turn, um, where you go in or close to three hundred sixty degrees, um, where you go in. There's usually when you see the sled going up and down, that's an oscillation. Generally, you have two to three oscillations, and what will cause somebody to crash out of that is coming. Basically, they they don't. When you're coming off the corner, you want to be coming down because obviously you're trying to go back in a straight line. If you're either drifting up or you didn't come down enough, your sled's coming off at an angle, and that's when you go over. Um, it happens at Whistler a lot in a corner that Steve Holcomb called 50-50 because he had a 50-50 shot of making it through. Um, and, and that thing ate people up in the world championships this last year. Um, that is by far the biggest cause of crashing is just taking a, taking a curve not right. Um, it's, it's the same in luge. It's the same in bobsled. It's the same in skeleton. Um, you need to, when you come off a corner and you're, and the, the gravity is pulling you up off the track or off, up off the bottom, that's, you're going over every time. There's, there's almost no way to save that. Yeah. The, uh, the crash that they have, it shows their, their heads just kind of basically just playing, just yep. getting slammed to the ice and just, do guys typically get up after Oh yeah, the yeah. Generally speaking, generally speaking, you, you, most everyone gets out. It, nobody in bobsled hasn't crashed, um, you know, of some sort or another. I think there's a couple that'll say they haven't. Most everybody has crashed a sled at least once or twice. Um, normally most of your crashes are pretty I don't want to say run of the mill, but the sled goes over. You generally feel it going over. Um, most everybody knows that they're crashing before they crash. And at that point, you kind of the goal is to duck your head in. In a four-man sled, it's harder because there's less room. Um, in two-man bobsled, you have more room in the sled. Um, 
yeah, so generally you, you try to get your head tucked in because the, the the hardest part of the crash isn't necessarily the going over part. It's that the sled is going to continue to go down the ice and go through the corners on its side now. So if the sled comes up the, you know, up a curve and then comes crashes back down into a wall and your head's exposed, that's where you're going to get hurt. Um, generally speaking, your bobsled crashes are, are the hardest of the three sports to crash in. I'd say, um, because you have a lot more weight around you that could possibly cause damage. Um, but normally, unless something, unless something kind of freak happens, normally everyone just gets up and they're bruised, they're sore, they've they've probably got some kind of ice burn or something like that. But generally, you're you get up, you're walking away, you get checked out, and you're ready to go again. It seems like it'd be quite the shock to the uh, quite the shock to the system. But as far yeah. as what didn't work for this movie, I obviously I. You know, I, d- I didn't want to make assumptions or anything. I've got really small nitpicky stuff. Uh, beginning Irv is listening to a horse race. He's bet on a horse. He's bet on tumbleweed. And the announcer is only talking about tumbleweed. It's like he knows that specifically the guy listening is uh, has bet on tumbleweed. Yeah. It's like that's the only horse he mentions the whole time. Yes, tumbleweed, yes. Come on. That's it. Good tumbleweed. Good tumbleweed. No, Tumbleweed! No! Bad Tumbleweed! What are you doing? Don't you! Don't do that! Let him out! No! I need this one! Please! Come on! No! Um, everyone that Doris goes and asks for money for, they have the same exact office. They just keep shuttling in extras, sitting <laughs> down at that exact same desk. And he's just asking the same people for money in the same office. Like they put like, uh, uh, some art on the wall or they put a fake plant just to like make it seem different, but it's not. I mean, I've never been to Jamaica, so I don't know for sure that could be how all offices look, but you're probably right on that one. That's right. It, it actually could be. It could be. Uh, and then last thing, Junior's dad is just an asshole. Bad dad award <laughs> for the uh, for the movie. Like his son's, it's not his son's trying to be an Olympian. It's not like he's chasing some some weird pipe dream or he's investing in a Ponzi scheme or something. Like his son's trying to be an Olympian. Yeah, but like my dad was a huge tool, so I I get it. Um... <laughs> you know, not, not everyone's dad is super supportive of their life's dreams and goals and stuff. When I moved down to North Carolina from uh, Western Massachusetts for college, my dad looked at me and said, don't marry some farmer's daughter. And that was the last I heard from him for a year. So I Ooh. get it. Like, yeah, not, not everyone's dad is super cool with their life decisions, even if it seems like a really awesome idea. Um, so that, that one actually resonated with me a little bit. That's a fair, so that, that's something that, that worked for you in the movie, but that's just like, it's yeah. always by, yeah. like, he's so anti, like, no, you're not going to the Olympics. Even when he tells him, Hey, I'm going to the Olympics. I'm going to the most famous athletic sporting competition ever. He's just, he shows up at the Olympics, tries to get him to come home. That's just excessive, excessive bad dad stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my grades in college were significantly better than they were in high school. My first semester back from college is like, you done with this crap yet? So I, I get it. I really do. <laughs> so that is then, yeah, we can we can tag that one yeah. into the what works section for you. What else didn't oh, yeah. work? What wasn't realistic, or wasn't what, what was something you just didn't like seeing in the film? Man, Sink is not a brakeman. Uh, look, I I get it. That the idea is that you want your your most focused guy to be up front and whatever. That part makes sense. But man, Sink is so tiny. If you if you watch. 
any world-class bobsled team, the, the guy in the back's a beast. Almost always. I mean, some of the guys at Germany pulls out in Latvia. I don't think anyone in Latvia is less than six foot four. I, I have yet to see any information other than that in bobsled. Um, you know, these guys are just huge. Your middle guys are generally a little smaller. In part, they got to fit in the sled. So part of the sled is how does everyone fit in the sled? And your biggest guy is going to fit the worst in the middle. Um, so Sanka is not a brakeman. Um you know, your smaller nations obviously can't be as picky, but even then, if you've got a coach that's been coaching bobsled and been around bobsled his whole life, he's going to know that Sink is not a brakeman. You throw him in the middle somewhere. Um, yeah, I mean, he looks like he weighs 110 pounds. Stop exactly. Um, that and the rental sleds. Man, most rental sleds aren't that bad. Most rental equipment isn't that bad. I mean, they're, at the lower, lower, lower tiers, sure. Yeah, you're going to have some things that you question whether or not anyone should be in them. But if you're at the Olympics and you're you're in Calgary and you're with where all these sleds already are, someone's going to have a sled that's halfway decent. Um, so the idea that a, that the rental sled is going to be just this jalopy piece of junk um, didn't really work for me just because, you know, I've seen people in borrowed sleds. I've seen people in rented sleds that... Honestly, the sleds look fine. Well, usually, what they'll do, Great Britain generally rents a sled when they come over to the side of the uh, the side of the pond. Um, some other nations do as well, and um, Australia, the Australia women's team, um, has done that now for the last couple of years. Um, Ashley Warner has been out, like basically lives in Lake Placid part time, and has effectively a rental sled and slaps Australia all over it, and off they go, and it's a perfectly good sled. Um, so, so having a rental sled, especially for the Olympics, someone, someone would have been a lot cooler about. Hey, we'll give you a halfway decent piece of equipment to, um, you know, to, to go racing the Olympics with. You would have just given them the literally the worst sled I've ever seen in my life. I've got another question for you okay. about just the. Uh, and I probably could have gotten this in when we were talking about crashes. Could someone could someone's lucky egg survive? If someone was carrying a lucky egg, and a, would that typically survive even a crash? See, I don't know enough about the egg. Was it hard boiled? Is it just a plain old egg? You know, there's a lot of questions about. You know, I don't know anything about the egg to know. But if you had a lucky egg and it was hard boiled, and you know, one of those eggs, if you drop it, it just kind of jiggles there or whatever. I mean, it you'd probably be fine, especially if Sink is not that big of a dude. Um, he's not being quite as pressed up on everybody else. And if you crash again, you're going over on your side. You're not really, you're not coming to a dead stop. Uh, it looked like the, the eggs being stored in the front of his, his, in the front of his speed suit. So I'd be, I'd be willing to say if it was a hard boiled egg, it probably would make it. If it was a regular old egg, it probably wouldn't make it down on a clean run, let alone a crash run. Okay. Yeah. I figured as much because eggs are among the most fragile things in this world. Right. And he, yeah, the uh, the actor revealed that the eggs were made of rubber, and he still got them, right. which is kind of cool. Um, the Lenny Harris Pinch Hitter Award for Best Supporting Character. I have two nominees: uh, John Candy as Irv, who might not even count as a supporting character. He's on the front of the film, um, and then I've got Raymond J. Barry, who plays the the evil mean Kurt Hemphill, mm-hmm. who's the guy who's like, "You guys aren't competing." He just plays a really good. Oh, that's guy. a solid. He was a solid bad guy. He had the look. He. Uh... You know, this took place in is supposed to take place in eighty eight. He had a good East German look to him. Um Yeah, he had a good Winter Olympics villain look. Right. Like yeah. you could have put He's, him in one of the Mighty Ducks movies. Right, or he'd be the guy that telling you you can't have your party after you're skiing, 
you know, down at the lodge because because uh, he didn't win the big ski race or whatever. He he definitely he's got like a winter sport bad guy look. I, I'd go with that. Yeah, I I, I thought he uh, he was well cast um, for best on screen athlete. Uh, you you've kind of already said that these guys at least looked the part, it, right? I had all of them. I thought they all looked like athletes. Like especially they're running the track. They're running in the track meet. Oh yeah, they all look like athletes. Yeah, Sanko maybe a little bit less. Like you don't see him running in the track. You just see him driving his push cart, and that's why they got him on the team. The other three look like they could be track stars. Oh yeah, definitely. They look the part, and honestly, you don't have to be big to push a sled. Per- you know exactly. Asia Evans is not a big woman. Um, she's one of the best push athletes this country's had in the last six years. Um, you know. You don't have to be a a tall, large person to push the sled, but man, Sanko looked—he he looked tiny, uh, especially compared to those other dudes. Um, but they all really did look the part. They looked like sprinters. They looked like guys that could really push a sled and be, you know, hold their own in that kind of environment. So, in that same same vein, there's not really a worst on-screen athlete. This movie didn't really cast anyone who's like maybe if you'd want someone different for Sanko or Sanko in a different spot. But they didn't really cast anyone. Well, yeah. You see on screen, you're like, oh no, not that guy. Well, and the whole point of Senka is, you know, he's supposed, to, you know, in part he's kind of your comic relief in the movie, and then on top of that, his the whole thing was he was going to get in the front of the sled, and then come to find out he's not or whatever. He he's actually a, a decent size for a pilot if if you're not going to have a big guy pushing the sled, um, you know, it as some of the athletes in bobsled get toward the back end of the careers they really rely on um they really rely on the rest of their push crew to to help them in especially in four-man bobsled um and where you see that is they'll really suffer in two-man bobsled where they just got one other guy pushing for them um but you know so you don't necessarily need a huge dude to push the sled uh, up front because really their job is, is to drive the thing so uh, sinka as a as a pilot as a dude who was brought in there to drive something He's he's got the part pretty nailed down. He still wants someone bigger, but you know, still he he, he pulls it off well. They should have just made Sanka eat a little bit more before yeah, filming. Definitely, just, just fill out that body a little bit. Right. Uh, let's go to the big chill. Um, big chill is is whatever moment in the movie makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up. It's a moment that all good sports movies have that just is chill inducing. Uh, a lot of times it's a climax of the movie. This movie, I've only got one nominee. It's just that final scene when they're carrying the sled. It might be a little unrealistic, but that's the moment that Disney planned to be their big chill moment of them you know, crossing the finish line. Did you have anything else that gave you the chills? Well, so for me, it's actually everything before them carrying the sled. That last run, here's this team. They're having a great run. It's all going great. It's the best they've done. And then something happens. Up until that something happening point for me, I'm like, oh man, you know, it just, you know, this is their goal is to be a respected, decent bobsled team. And up until the thing flips over, they're doing it. at the finish line with the kinds of push starts right, you guys are capable of we might actually see the jamaicans win an olympic medal so this is it we could see history in the making feel the rhythm feel the ride get on up it's bobsled time Oh, 
shaved another couple hundred top to start now. They get better every time down the track. Um, so for me, it's more that than it is actually the them carrying the sled across part. Um, but it's the same general scene. That, and, uh, you know, and just them making it to the Olympics and actually qualifying for the Olympics. You know, you yeah, always like to see... Yeah, that's another good one. Yeah, it, it's one of those things. You, you like to see someone, again, reach their dreams, something like that. Um, and, you know, just like there's a... They're trying to do it, they're trying to do it, they look back and they make it by a, a half a second or whatever. That that hits home pretty good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, the... The, the scenes that, that do intend to give you the chills really do a good job of it. Some movies completely miss the mark. Uh, with you know, they some movies clearly set up that hey, this is our scene that's really gonna you know hit you in the feels, and it really doesn't hit the mark. This movie it does. Right. Final right. category. How would you improve this movie? Just with the consideration that you're also kind of hamstrung by what actually happened. Um, you know, they did they did actually crash in the Olympics. Right. Um, things like that. How would you, would you change this movie up much? I mean, there's not, so again, it, A, it being a Disney movie, B, it being a bobsled movie. Here's the thing in your football movies and your baseball movies and your hockey movies, you can have these montages of games happening. You know, you have, you know, they, in Rocky, they show, they don't show the whole fight, but they show the first part and they show the back end of it. Uh, in bobsled, you know, you'll train all week, and then you'll get, you know, in the in the Olympics, you get four minutes, four runs at best if you make the final heat. Um, it's hard to do, so it's hard to have like a big sports montage in a race in a race where the sled's not even on the track for a minute. Um, you know, most of bobsleds warming up and waiting around, um, so, so that it doesn't really make that good of a movie in, in the, as far as the actual on track stuff. Uh, so I would personally, I would have liked to have had more on track stuff, but uh, again, they're kind of hamstrung with what they have. Um, it's bobsledding. There's only so much time you have on the track. Um, you know, it's, I would have liked, you know, yeah, I, I guess that's just really my one thing. I would have liked to have seen more on track stuff, more kind of bobsled related things. But again, you, you can't fill a movie with just that. I, I wish you could. I don't think you can. That's how I feel too. Though I would have loved more bobsled action in the movie. I would have loved more more runs. Um, it, it's some of the best action in the movie. Some of the best parts are when yeah. the, the team goes or watching the other team goes. When they're I can't they're admiring the Swedes or the Germans or something. Say these guys are great. They're the showing Swiss. their runs. The Swiss, yeah. And it's just it's intense and it's it kind of gives you when you get their first person or their their camera angle. That's kind of what you don't get from watching it on TV. So, and that's kind right. of a unique thing that sports movies can do. They can put you in a guy's football helmet, or they can, you know, put you in the the pitchers you in baseball. They can put you actually in this bobsled, which is really cool. So, I would I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of that. But overall, I mean, it's a really, you know, it's a good movie. There's a reason that people still talk about this movie almost thirty years later. Um, right, and you know, and there's only there's only so much you can do with it from a non-track part of it. But I think I think they do a very good job with it, and. Again, it's, like you said, it's a movie everyone like. I don't know anyone that really dislikes the movie as a movie. There's obviously, personally, I you know, as far as it being a documentary, oh, it's terrible. But as far as it being a fun movie, it's really good. Well, Ken, I, I appreciate you coming on this podcast and not only talking about this movie with me, but really giving me that bobsled crash court. Like, I feel I'm very ready for the next Winter Olympics, which, what, are only three years away? 
I'll tell you what, man. I mean, the Winter Olympics are three years away, but the IBSF World Cup starts, what, in five months? Um, they'll be racing in Lake Placid. They'll be racing in um, all over Europe. I believe they're racing in Park City this year. Um, I'll have the full schedule on slideinonice.com for all the different tours. Um, and really, if if you ever have a chance to get to Park City, to get to Vancouver, to get to Lake Placid, um, do it. They're, the athletes are so happy to have people there. Um, there's autographs. They'll pass out. They'll sign anything. Um you know, they're just they're they're happy to have fans there. They appreciate everyone that's there to come out and watch them. Um, and you know, I'll have a full schedule on my website. But really, if there's any way you can get to it, it's so much cooler in person. Just you you watch one run from the start, just like they did in the movie, where you see them take off from the start and watch them go into the first cur- curve, and it's like, wow, man, that's a whole lot of whole lot going on right there. You get the speed further down the track. It's just, it's a amazing amazing sport. Um, absolutely love it and it's near and dear to me but yeah it, it's definitely it's one of those things you really got to see it live it looks cool as hell on the olympic on like on the olympic channel or in the olympics or you know the, the olympic channel does a really great job now showing most of the races on tv either on a tape delay or live sometimes um nbc sports has them as well so really seek it out i try to on my twitter um i'll generally have this is when it's going to be on TV in the United States. These are the channels. I, I try to keep everyone as up-to-date as I can on it. it, it really, I, I really encourage people to give it a shot. Well, I'm definitely going to te- you know keep tabs on it now that I follow you on Twitter. Uh, I'll obviously be following you on Twitter for your bobsled info and for your, your scorching hot bassarette takes. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a whole other thing. And I'll tell you, I lose. I had some guy that hadn't tweeted in six months shot me a note to tell me that he was muting me specifically because of my bachelorette takes. And, man, you know, it's I, I can't help you there. It's, it, I don't have bobsled right now. Yeah, that's, that's, um, a, whole nother, that's a whole other podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I can't believe we didn't mention, uh, you know, you mentioned Latvia so many times. We didn't talk about this season of the bachelorette. But uh, real quick, where can the people follow you on Twitter to, uh, to keep tabs with everything you're doing? Uh, at the Ken Childs on Twitter and, of course, slideinonice.com. Well, Ken, thanks so much for coming on. I uh, really appreciate it. Really enjoyed you giving me that bobsled crash course. If you're enjoying big screen sports, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast and share it with anyone you know who loves sports movies. We've got some good ones coming up. Uh, next week, Should we're doing Teen Wolf. Uh, have um, Bad News Bears uh, coming up and, and Necessary Roughness as well. So some good movies coming up. Follow us on Twitter at big underscore screen sport on Instagram at big screen sports pod. And we'll catch you next week. Thanks. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.